This episode of Crossing the 180 is brought to you by Sony's C Media Cloud. C supports the entire media lifecycle to streamline workflows for your video production teams so that you can go from camera to cloud to Final Cut faster. Learn more about C and book your free demo at sonymcs.com. That's Sony, M as in Mary, C as in Charlie, S as in Sam.com. Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! You talking to me? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Hi, ho all you girls, boys, and non-binaries out there. This is your boy Ron Dawson coming at you with another edition of your favorite filmmaking podcast that breaks all the rules, Crossing the 180 part of the Art of the Frame podcast network by Film Tools and Pro Video Coalition. Every other week, I have engaging and informative conversations about culture and craft with artists, entrepreneurs, and filmmakers doing amazing work in the world of film and television. And today, I have what uh, he self-describes as a person with many slashes. Writer, comedian, producer, and now feature film director, and uh, a friend of mine, Chris Spencer. I actually went to high school with Chris way back when at South Pasadena, go Tigers. And Chris was always a funny dude. Like he was the guy who I described as, if you remember Eddie Murphy in his early days in the 80s, like back in his Beverly Hills cop days or trading placing days, that was kind of like Chris at high school. Charming, good looking, Everything that came out of his mouth just cracked you up. And for some reason, I was able to hang out with him. He was like a year above me. And uh, some of his popularity was able to rub off on me to some extent. Anyway, his mom was a good friend with my stepdad. So that's how we were kind of friends of the family. Kind of stayed in touch here and there throughout the years. Uh, after the pandemic, reconnected with him. And I just follow this dude. And if you see his Instagram, like his Instagram feed is filled with like all these images with like all the biggest stars in black Hollywood, like Anthony Anderson and Faison Love and Don Cheadle and Jamie Foxx and whatnot. And he is just extremely connected and totally down to earth dude. Like I remember reaching out to him, you know, a couple of years ago after the pandemic and wondering like how he would respond. Cause you know, he's done so many big things and Basically, we reconnected as if we had stayed together and connected throughout these entire years. And I think that's a testament to who he is as a person. Is like He's just very real, you know. And he's done so much over the years. Like, he, like his big break was in the late 90s. He was the host for Vibe. Vibe uh, came out with a, a talk show. This was right around the days when Arsenio Hall show was big in the 90s. And so I think that was a big break break for Chris back then, but then he's gone on to work with the Waynes brothers and with Kevin Hart and with Jamie Foxx and and he's created television shows like Real Husbands of Hollywood. He's produced the Emmys. I mean, he's written for the Emmys, uh, for the NAACP Image Awards. And last fall, he had his uh, feature film directorial debut with a movie that's currently called uh, Back on the Strip. And it stars... Faison Love, Bill Bellamy, Tiffany Haddish, Gary Owen, uh, Wesley Snipes, Kevin Hart's also in it. 
and it's going to be hilarious. So he talks about the making of that film, how it came to be, and what it's like uh, when you're working with stars of that caliber. So uh, here's my interview with Chris Spencer talking about his directorial debut. Uh, just one word of warning note. Chris and the world he comes from is one in which, as a black man and a comedian, every now and then he's going to drop the N-word. So if that's something you're sensitive to, just want to let you know that. But uh, I think this is a great interview. It's really funny, very informative. And whether you're a writer or a director or both, I think you're going to find this something that is inspiring and will give you a lot of takeaways. So here's my interview with Chris Spencer. See you on the other side. What's your earliest movie memory? The earliest memory you have of a movie that had a profound impact on you? I guess it would be Bruce Lee movies. Oh, really? Why is that? Dragon, Game of Death, The Fury. I just remember us as kids. My dad used it almost as a babysitter. He would take us to the theater and leave us and then go do what he had to do. Right. Uh, We'd watch two or three movies in a row and then come back and we'd all be in the hallway kicking each other, trying to figure (laughs) out if we knew karate. Is there a particular one that stands out to you? Probably Enter Dragon. Enter Dragon. Yeah. Got it. I remember the first time, hey, you know, Jim Kelly was a lead. Right. Not in, a, in a black exploitation kind of way. He was a lead in Bruce Lee's movie. And I just remember them having to go to this island and, and um, a game of death is actually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then just all this shit that was going on, there was illegal stuff going on on this island and he had to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I just remember him at the Noonchucks. Oh yeah, man. I remember as soon as it was over, I went and made my own out of some broomsticks and a and a like a toilet chain. <laughs> right. That's always how it goes. And then so like I mean a lot of your career's been related to television. Have you always had like an interest at some point? And actually, no, I know you've been, you've written some films and you've been in some films, but have you always had like this interest at some point directing a feature or did that come later in your career? It came later. I just noticed when I was on projects and I would see directors doing stuff and I'd be like, how did he do that? And why did he do that? And right, how right. I have done that? And then a lot of times when I shot like on sketch shows or maybe an award show, I would be damn near directing any B-roll stuff that we did. And I was like, you right. know, I'm kind of a, a natural bossy and uh, <laughs> right. in charge. And people always come to me with questions and I have to have answers to, even when I'm not the director. So I was like, you know, maybe this is the natural progression for me to go to. Right, right. With this particular project, tell me like how this particular film project came into light and how you got the various people involved. And was it something that was in the works for a long time? Like, what was the impetus for it? So, huh, I think I was joking around one day and made a poster and said, I want to make this movie. And I just made a movie poster, um, mm-hmm. uh, a black version of Magic Mike, right? Mm-hmm. And I just called right. it my Magic, I called it my Magic Johnson. <laughs> and then I presented it to a friend of mine who was a writer, and he's like, this shit is funny. And then we wrote a script. We wrote a script. We sold it a few years back to an independent producing company, and they weren't ready to do it. And so yeah. it sat on the shelf. I did other things. And then they got a fund, and a guy who was in charge of the fund said, let me see what you guys have. And they showed him that script, and they go, he said, this is the first one I want to do. Right. And so 
We ended up shooting this movie in Las Vegas. My wife started off as the casting director, ended up being the executive producer. And in terms of casting, I just basically, you know, did it from my phone. You know, J.B. Smooth, friend of mine, 25 years plus. Gary Owen, same thing. Faison, even longer. Faison's 30-something plus. Bill Bellamy is 20-something plus. Kevin Hart is 20-something plus. I mean, these are like people who are already organically friends of the family. Um, Right. What's great about the people we went to is they've done some big, big multi-million dollar films. So they go, do you want Wesley Snipes? I was like, fuck yeah. So then they got us Wesley Snipes. And then the rest of the cast was mostly done by casting, except for Tiffany Haddish, who I've also known for 20 plus years. Right, right, right. And was it the kind of thing where it's like, you just ask and say, yeah, Chris, anything you want to do, I'm down for? Or or like, did their people need to read the script first and get approval? Like, Sure. I mean, everybody said yes at first. And then right. the people come in to cock block. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. yeah. Especially they don't, they're not familiar with me and our relationship. They just yeah. know this is not uh, something that should, you should be, this isn't Brad Pitt. And this isn't right. Scorsese. You shouldn't just be saying that. You know, they want to feel like they're doing their job. So they come in and yeah. they fuck with the money and they fuck with the points and they fuck with the dressing <laughs> rooms and they fuck with everything just to make it seem like they're doing something. Right, and right. It came to a point where Tiffany had to say, hey, motherfuckers, I'm doing Chris Spencer's movie. Period. Wow, that's awesome. Same thing happened to Gary Owen. Period. Faison said, uh, Faison, I, I think he had a little pushback, but not much. Bill Bellamy didn't have any pushback. Right. And sometimes you just have to go, hey, white representative. Um, <laughs> you may not know who Chris is, but he is a very integral part in this community. And he's done X, Y, and Z for me. And we have a friendship. And I actually owe him money. So I'm going to do this movie. So fuck <laughs> you. Uh, that's one of the things that's interesting about about you is that like I always joke about I think I've heard you tell this joke like it seems like you know everyone in black Hollywood they call me the mayor like, they call you the mayor right and like and didn't you tell a story at some point that like when Obama was president the White House called you to yeah. cook you up what was it with Will Smith or, what was that about they what was that, that was and said, hey, Chris, how you doing? I was like, great. They were like, listen, we heard Will Smith is in D.C. Uh, POTUS would like to play golf with him. I was like, all right, great. I go, wait, first of all, how do you, what makes you think I have his number? And they go, you have his number. So listen, everything is Saturday and Sunday. I was like, great. I was like, what about, am I, should I fly out? Or no, 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 this is just, this is just for Will. <laughs> right. I mean, he might. You might need me because, you know, if it's you, if it's him and somebody, it might be event versus me and Will. Like, no, we're fine. Thanks. <laughs> but I, I, they called me because, you know, A, because of my relationships with most of the people in Hollywood and B, uh, I, I played with the president quite a few times. Right. So they were like, um, you don't need to play with him anymore. He wants to play with you. <laughs> um, and when we get back to the movie and then talk some more about the stuff you've done in your career. Yeah. So, so this is your first featured director Adobe, right? And when does it come out? Oh, we don't know yet. You don't know yet. Okay. Next year. Sometime next year. Um, two things. Like, what came the most natural? Like, when you were on set, you're like, you didn't even have to think twice about it. And what was maybe something you didn't expect or something that was most challenging as a feature director? Um, as a director, period. All the technical stuff is new to me. They're asking me about lenses, and I'm just saying, yeah, of course. Duh, yeah. The 16 by 37 on there. What are we thinking? Filters. Um, the easiest stuff was my communication and relationship 
right. uh, and directing the actors, right? That was easy. What was hard was every question that needed to be answered, they came to me. Should we mm. go with red plates or blue plates in the diner? I'm like, <sighs> and there's nowhere, <laughs> there's no whatever you think. They want you to answer them. It's like people are looking for a father. Yeah. So there is no uh, blue. No, they want a definitive blue. Right. Right. You know, you know, we're thinking about using the, either the, the, the condo or the apartment. One is further away, but the other one has better furniture. Which one? Uh, let's go with the one that's closer. Right. Rent furniture. Got it. Like they really want some authority. Right. So I had to learn that because I was trying to be, you know, I was neutral. I was agnostic right. about everything. And they don't, agnostic yeah. isn't, directors aren't agnostic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they put their foot down and say, hey, motherfucker, didn't I say, what are these red plates doing here? I said, boom, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so did you have like production designers and, and like I had everything you could think department of. heads? Yeah. Everything, yeah. But they yeah, can't, yeah. the department heads still had to come to me for an answer. Yeah, got it. They, got now it. they would say, yeah, the blue ones are 15,000 each. And then I go, red, of course, duh. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So there was a collab. But sure, and, they would, sure. and they would pitch why the red plates were better. But if I felt like the blue plates were better for the scene and it matched his eyes and his color palette that we created, right. then, yeah, right. What's the, like the elevator pitch about what the what the movie's about? A young man Is it like a, okay, who's trying to find love ends up losing his girl, goes to Vegas to only be reunited with her. This, you know, what it's kind of hard to pitch it now because mm-hmm. we're going through a major shift. And mm-hmm. what the editor fucking thought the movie was and what I told him the movie was. So the original <laughs> pitch is about a young guy who's trying to be a magician. Yeah. Right? Can't get any magic work. He goes to Las Vegas. Uh, and while he's doing one of his tricks, he burns on his pants and he has a big old <laughs> ding ding. Um, and then he is asked to join <laughs> this male dance troupe. Disbanded. Was it bandit? Disbanded? Yeah. Disbanded. This bandit uh, male dance troupe wants to get back together to help this woman who put them on 20 years ago. And these guys all have different other jobs. And now Wesley Snipes has corralled the troops. All the while, this young man is trying to make sure that the woman, the woman of his dreams doesn't marry the wrong guy. Right. And it's going to take some magic. Yeah. No, I like it. So it's interesting. So a lot of the listeners to this show happen to be in post-production editors what's that relationship like to the extent you can talk about it with your editor in terms of telling the story this guy's incredible we're just bumping heads on the vision mm-hmm. you know what i right. mean a lot of the executive producers aren't agreeing with him and i'm kanye west in this shit right now like fuck that <laughs> you motherfuckers ain't wrote no movie you ain't funny and you don't right. know niggas. so i right. know niggas and i'm funny so this right. is what niggas is gonna laugh at right i want to hear your sensibilities you know, I, I I don't get it. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. So if, if we test it and it's not funny, and then they can be right. But what I say, I know the culture. Right. Uh, I'm a young black man, and this movie's about a young black man. I'm funny, and I think my partner, who's a young black man, and and all, well, we're old black men now, but it's fun, <laughs> and we have a pulse on what is next. There's no love story like this, and. They're fighting us on this. It's just, you know, and I'm sure Scorsese bumped heads with his his editor. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. George Lucas and Spielberg bumped heads with their editor. I'm just, you know, we're, we're, we're just not seeing eye to eye right now. And yeah. I just, I need him to see that my eye is better than his. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 
So that's one of the challenges. And so, you know, when I think about, when I think about like the, the career that you have as a comedian's writer, what was like for you, like, what would you say was the first big either milestone in your career overall that kind of, you know, paved the path for you to do everything that you've done in general? And because you've been in this business for like, what, 30 plus years? Yeah, I'm an old fuck. I guess, I mean, it would have to be the late night talk show mm -hmm. in 97. Um, but that's so long ago. I mean, there's been so many great things right. since then. I've had the opportunity to work with some great people. Jamie Foxx show was a great situation. It was early on. Don't be a minister, South Central. The whole Wayans Brothers family. I wrote a book with Sean, did a movie with Marlon, was on tour with Damon, and then had a talk show, uh, which ran against Keenan. Mm -hmm. And so the Wayans have been in my life for my entire, you know, the beginnings of my career. So my relationships with them definitely helped me get to where I am today. Yeah. So you were on, you're on Kevin Hart's podcast. Um, Hearts of Gold. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, the oh, one that's on series. Yes, comedy Minds. Comedy Minds. Yes. It was Comedy Minds. And I remember part of the conversation, he was saying how at one point, he asked you to be his creative director for like his whole company. Yeah. And you said, no, tell me about that. Like what made you decide to not want to do that? Cause I would give the average person if Kevin Hart asked them to be the, the creative director of their whole company. They'd be like, hell yeah. I don't want a job where I got to think about what I'm wearing tomorrow. Mm. Right. <laughs> I, told, yeah. and I told Kevin, you know, I, I just couldn't go into a meeting and right before we went in, Kevin says, hold my phone. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy who still kind of look up, look, uh, although, you know, his wallets are way taller, but he still looks up to me as a mentor and mm -hmm. a friend. And so I couldn't be working for my friend. Yeah. You know, not in that capacity. We could work together, which we, you know, with the podcast we have and a few other shows. But right, right. I was not ready to be an exec. Yeah. You know what I mean? We have yeah. a meeting at three, lunch at four. Eh, fuck that. I don't want to <laughs> hear you're late. Like, you know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I can respect that. that. That totally makes sense. Um, so there's no part of you that feels like regret for like turning that job down. Not even. Not even a, I mean, I, I, he'd have to get uh, the the price. I, I can't even think of a number. I'm mm. sure there is a number. <laughs> right. Uh, enough for me to to do and then quit. But I would have died. Yeah. No. That's it's a definitely a completely different world. All right, we're going to take a break from the podcast so that we can pay some bills. Tired of uploading content to multiple systems? Now you can work smarter, not harder, with Sony's C Media Cloud. Get blazing fast uploads, secure, reliable backup, seamless, simple sharing, and real-time collaboration in a single, easy-to-use cloud service. With C, the possibilities are virtually endless. C allows your team to securely and reliably share, organize, review, and collaborate on, and deliver professional media files all in a flash. You'll find C's powerful built-in collaboration tools and apps are designed specifically for media professionals to work more efficiently. And C's creative suite of apps and tools can empower broadcast and production teams to collaborate on videos in real time, all within a trusted workspace. Let Sony's C Media Cloud help transform how your content moves across the entire media cycle, 
from camera to post to final cut faster. Learn more about C and book your free demo at SonyMCS.com. That's Sony, Amazon Mary, Susan Charlie, S as in Sam.com. Now, back to the podcast. You, um, you still do stand up, to my knowledge, right? I'm actually in Cleveland right now, uh, performing. I've been touring the country, uh, getting ready to do a comedy special. So, what do you consider yourself? Like, do you consider yourself like a comedian? And you also do writing, or you're a writer and you do comedy stuff. I have a lot of slashes. Right. No, I know, but like, is there one that you kind of zero on as your as your main persona, so to speak? I mean, I I don't want to be a writer who does comedy. Right. I'm more of a comedian who writes. Got it. And I mean, I have like five slashes: actor, writer, comedian, producer, director. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what room I'm in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But I know that before I die, I have to do an hour comedy special just to let them know that I was on par with the greats. When you say an hour comedy special, what is that? What do you mean by that? Like, you know, you watch TV, you watch Netflix, you see Kevin Hart doing an hour. Oh, gotcha. Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Like, I have to do one of those and figure out who my audience is mm. and at least know that when people say, who are some of the funniest guys you know? My name comes up in that you know what i mean right my tombstone right. can't read he could punch up a hell of a joke you know what i mean right. like right now i have a moniker like he writes for everybody and mm -hmm. I, I don't like it i don't like it at all i want to be known for writing for everybody because if i'm that good then uh you should hear some of these words come out of my mouth you know what I right mean? right yeah it's like so, i'm watching the kanye special i'm sorry to interrupt you I'm yeah, watching no, 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 this no. kanye documentary which is incredible because our lives kind of parallel like He's, he was known as this producer. Nobody really wanted to, you know, give him the opportunity to to rap. And I'm, that didn't happen to me. It's, this is more all on me about becoming the, a great a great comedian. And but he was labeled this. You know what I mean? A producer who can rap. I'm kind of right. a writer who can do stand up. You know. Right. And then although kind of he was respected, but he wasn't respected as a rapper. I'm respected as a writer, you know what I mean? I'm respected more of a comedy show host. Like people call me all the time to come host their shows. And I'm like, no, I want to close right. the show. Right. So that's, that's my journey right now. Yeah. I know you've written for the Emmys mm -hmm. and current in the NAACP image awards. Mm -hmm. Like what exactly are you writing? You're writing the jokes for the host. So the shows will have, a, there's a writer, right? There's a writer who writes the entire show. Coming right. to the stage, please welcome Anthony Anderson, right? And then there's people who write the copy in between. Issa Rae says, and, you know, uh, this next award is presented by Nissan. Coming to the stage, please welcome uh, Taraji P. Henson, right? right? There's people who write that. And then there's people who write for the host. I'm usually there to write for the host, and then I aid in writing the other stuff. Got you know it. I mean? Yeah, so my yeah, job yeah. is Anthony, Jamie Foxx, Kevin Hart, whatever. Right. So that's interesting. So for this hour-long special that at some point you want to do, is it like you want to do it? Like you're going to say, like, this is going to happen because I'm going to make it happen? Or you want like you want Netflix to come along and say, hey, Chris, we recognize you now. We want to pay Well, they've kind it. of already said that. I'm just in the process now of showing them the material. Got it. Where would you do it? Like, if you, where would you want to do it? Uh, I think I'm doing it in L.A. And is there any particular pace you would pick? Or... 
Like which small theater, place? small yeah. theater downtown, maybe, or maybe you know, I thought about even doing it at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. But I know Louis CK, I, I'm very comfortable there. Louis CK yeah. already shot a special there called at the store, so I'm not sure if I want to do that. But I think LA, or I thought about Miami as well. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Did you have any particular challenges as a black man in the industry, or was that a almost like a benefit? Because there've been so many popular black comedians. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like being black was a hindrance in terms of either getting booked or? No, I no. know that the white guys got more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, um, aside from a Dave Chappelle or a Kevin, usually if you did a pilot and it failed, then we never heard from you again. You know, we find <laughs> right. you're a showrunner. But right. A lot of these white guys get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Chris Rock is another one. But Chris Rock, kind of, I think he created his own way. Uh, well, although, and I think Dave and Kevin got opportunities and they ended up paving their own way too. Because you think about it, Dave Chappelle did the Dave Chappelle show. And, right. and Kevin's stand up is what took him over the top. So you have to kind of do your own shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do your, yeah. I said these guys got opportunity opportunity, but they, they actually created their own opportunities. Like let, let the world know they were still relevant. And when when shit didn't work on TV, they went on the road and did a special. And then somebody at a network was like, yo, we gotta give this guy another shot. This motherfucker is brilliant. Look at the audience that he's bringing. Yeah. That's superstardom. You know, I have a couple more questions. Is there any piece of advice that you've received from some of these people that you've worked with that has really like like sat with you or is really connected with you mm-hmm. or maybe even someone we haven't heard of maybe someone else who was a mentor that we've never heard of who who gave you advice that you thought this was really good one was from lunell very funny comedian out of oakland she toured mm-hmm. with cat williams and i told her the reason i wasn't on the road is because you know my family and i was worried about leaving the kids and right she said three of the greatest words i've ever heard and they're horrible too. She mm-hmm. said, fuck them kids. <laughs> and what she meant was, they're going to be all right. Like, you ain't uh, going to be coddling them and helicopter parenting them. Like, when you get home, they'll be right there. You can right. go out for three days, four days, go get right. this money, work on your craft, and then come back and, and be daddy. And you're, you're actually still daddy when you're gone. So, fuck them kids. I was like, oh. right. So, I'm stuck. That's been like my moniker. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your kids, and I know, so I know you and your wife, Vanessa, do, it's a television show, right? Is it on? It's, um, a, it's a radio show on Sirius a, a, That's a radio show. What's it like working with her, working with your spouse? Is it? Um, it's great because she's so fucking, she's so opposite of me in terms of mm-hmm. our dynamic. We're both funny, but right. she loves the political atmosphere, the political arena where I can give a fuck mm. about. And she's mad that I don't give a fuck about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a believer of whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And motherfuckers yeah. know this shit's going to happen before you even do. So, yeah, I'm going to vote. But just know that I know some shit is going on that we don't, we have no control over. Right. And right. Uh, I, I was afraid to work together because I didn't want to make church and state. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun because we're a couple and then you get to hear us bicker on camera and people really dig the, the realness of who we are and i just heard we're about to get a a, a billboard in times square oh nice yeah and also here in hollywood on sunset and then also down by la live so 
we're, we're getting we're getting some traction. Yeah. Um, a couple of days ago, I was watching the the Showtime documentary. Like, we need to talk about Cosby. I didn't even know you're on there. I thought that was cool. And I said, "Hey, I guess, oh shit, that's Chris." First of all, a powerful documentary just mm-hmm. like blew me away. I mean, there is there were some things that I knew a lot of the stuff related to the Cosby story, but obviously the documentary is a four part series. You get a lot more detail. And I remember, I mean, this isn't really a spoiler. Everyone knows that what happened. But I remember at one point in one of the episodes, they ask, like, they asked, like, one of the, one of his victims, how did you feel when you heard that he was convicted? And she said she just felt profoundly sad. Like, you know, he had asked, like, did you feel justice were you happy elated and she said no she just felt sad like because of what he had represented to the black community all the doors that he had opened and whatnot um and just you know for you personally as a as a black man as a comedian in this industry like what impact and as someone who was in the documentary like what what impact did that have on you if any that whole him him being convicted him being convicted like the whole thing how it went like it was just it's a tragedy it's a yeah. tragedy that all of our black heroes, there's a thorn, you know what I mean? Right. Michael, uh, I mean, you know, like you hear stuff about Martin Luther King having another women now, and right. like there's always some shit, you know, OJ, like, and then, you know, this dude, you know, who was the symbol of righteousness and and, right. and good for him to be, you know, taken off his pedestal. It's 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 probably it's one of the worst of all time. Yeah, especially being a black man, a father, and a comedian. Yeah, there's like, I think there's whole groups of people in the black community who are just like, please have nothing coming out about Obama. Like, I know that that would be too devastating. Yeah, I would move. <laughs> yeah, but one of the one of the themes that comes up and came they talked about on the show was this idea of separating the art from the artist. Like, you know, this comes up with Woody Allen, like. For years, I was a big Woody Allen fan. I don't, you know, of his films anyway. Kevin Spacey recently in the past couple of years, Louis C.K. Like all of these artists, your thoughts on separating the art from the artist? Here's what's funny. Everybody has problems until it comes to Michael Jackson. Like there's no problem with fucking Thriller and Beat It and Bad. Like they they have no problem separating the artists, and especially with our black, our black people, the black people, you know, we we still don't believe, you know what I mean? <laughs> so with other people like R. Kelly, it's like, Eesh. yeah, I when you separate the music's so good, but yeah, Jesus Christ, you know, it's just felt so close. Um, I give a fuck about Woody Allen. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. he's not of my generation. No, totally. Uh, Kevin Spacey was great, but you know. I'm not gonna turn the channel if I'm watching fucking Usual Suspects. You know what I mean? Right. Ah, there he is. Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the shit's right. already on. I'm not even thinking about what he did. Like he'll be punished, right. and uh, if not by you know us, his maker. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, who am I to judge? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, last question I want to ask is what? This is part of my speed round. What was the last thing you saw? that surprised you either in a good way or a bad way because you maybe you went into it thinking one thing and by the time you saw it we're like oh well, that's not what i expected either 
in a good way or a bad way? TV show or movie? Um, let's talk about King Richard. Oh, okay. Will Smith. I was expecting to see a lot of Will. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a lot of times, you know, you take out a movie, you're, you're worried about this person who's bigger than the character coming out. But I thought he did an incredible job, and I think he will get an Oscar for mm. this incredible portrayal. Yeah, uh, you know Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus. Yeah, pleasantly surprised. I, I have to ask. I had this huge debate with my two good friends, Jaden and Yolanda. Who do you think is a bigger name? Who do you think more people in the world knows, Richard Williams or Nina Simone? Um. Nina, you can't say Nina Simone just because her name isn't ever mentioned lately, unless it's within that deep music community and right, or right. somebody who's about to do a project about her. Richard yeah. Williams, you know now because A. Will Smith, and then B. Right. He has two of the his two daughters are the greatest, uh, right. probably two of the greatest athletes ever created. So currently, I would have to say Richard Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I and they say Nina Simone, or you say Nina Simone? I was saying Nina Simone prior to like Will Smith's movie. I, I, don't, know, the average... I don't know if anybody under 40 knows Nina Simone. <laughs> Last question is Is there a guilty pleasure you have? Like something you watch that you would qualify as a guilty pleasure? I can't even say I like it. <laughs> I guess I have to say I like it. My, my, kid, my family watches A Thousand Pound Sisters. I haven't even heard of that. Oh my God. Lifetime has <laughs> fucking shows. They got shows about people with bad feet, bad skin. <laughs> and they have this one about these two sisters. One weighs, well, it used to be 1,000 pounds. So one was like 600 and the other one was like four. Oh, wow. Oh, my now, gosh. Now, I think the 600 one is up to like 800. How is that even possible? I think she ate the other sister. I don't know. <laughs> but what's funny is everybody on this show is fat. And they're talking shit to her like they ain't fat. Right. Look at you. She should be like, motherfucker, look at you. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so funny seeing the pot calling the yellow black. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I should actually that write that down. That, so yeah, funny. you should. That does cover. Well, anyway, I appreciate your time, man. This was great, as, as I knew it would be. Hey, uh, thanks a lot. Huge thanks to Chris for coming on the show. As always, you can find links to uh, Chris's work on the blog post for this episode at ProVideoCoalition.com or in the show notes. And uh, follow his Instagram. It is uh, very entertaining. This is uh, Crossing 180, and it's a production of Blade Runner Media, and it's part of Pro Video Coalition's Art of the Frame podcast series. This episode was written, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Ron Dawson, Editing and mixing by Maria Passingham. You can follow me on Twitter at Blade Runner. That's Runner with a an O. And you can follow me on Instagram at Blurred Runner. And you can follow Pro Video Coalition on Twitter at Simply Pro Video. That's it for now. Until next time, remember if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. See you in two weeks. <laughs>